0: And Paul's remember, it's probably about 15 years ago that he came and laid hands on me to be one of the pastors in that church up in Hillingdon. So that's a little while ago, isn't it? Yeah. And um, I did my leadership training with Chris Nicholson, uh, again, a long time ago, uh, down in Catford. And uh, I'm a good friend of Shara and Alexis. I'm actually with uh, John as well. I'm one of the trustees on their charity that they're setting up in Iraq. And Chris and I are going to be going to visit them together in a couple of months' time. Uh, so I promise to look after him. Uh, do you, I don't know. Do you want him back? <laughs> all right, I'll look after him yeah, then. Yeah. Um, so that would be great. But um, it, is, it is really, really amazing to be with, uh, with you guys this morning. And just before we open the Bible together, I just, I just felt a couple of uh, kind of words as we were worshipping. I feel there's someone sitting in this section over here. So this side over here, you've got a pain or problem with your arm. So kind of shoulder, elbow, that kind of thing. So at the end of the meeting, we're going to have a prayer time. And if that's you, is that, is that, was that you, madam? So at the end of the meeting, we would love to pray. Is that you, madam? Great. Two for the price of one, eh? Um, we would love to pray for you. At the end of the meeting, we're going to have a bit of a time of prayer. I, I, you also, three for the price of what we're doing. Um, I would, not, not being funny, often I'll bring a word of knowledge like that. And there'll often be three people that respond to it. It's like the Holy Spirit's being efficient, you know, like group them together. These people really need a touch from God today. So we would love to pray for you at the end of the meeting. Um, I also feel there's someone here today. You have a, a kind of an infection or an irritation with your eye. So if that's you today, um, again, three people, <laughs> hallelujah. Um, <laughs> if that's you today, we'd love, to, we'd love to pray for you guys at the end of the, the meeting, okay, and just as we have a time of prayer at the end. I just, sometimes when there's a specific word, God wants to particularly touch those people and bring healing to them. Um, We're going to look at a a story to, John asked me, what are you going to be preaching on? I said, Jesus, is that okay? (laughs) Is that all right with you guys? Um, We're going to be looking at a story today from Mark's gospel. So we're going to be in Mark chapter five. And yes, it's a story about Jesus and a story from his life. And um, you know, Mark, Um, is telling Peter's story. So Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. I think Peter was probably illiterate, couldn't read and write. Uh, He was in the trade. And actually following Jesus around, he had all these stories about Jesus that he wanted to pass on. And so he found Mark, who was a young guy who could write Greek, and he got Mark to write it all down. So it's all Peter's stories. And Peter was there in all... Have you ever noticed in Mark, Peter's there in all the stories because he saw them all. So this is Peter's experience, but he got Mark to write it all down for him. And um, that's where we're going to be today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5. And really the, the, the question that I wanted to ask or think about as we go to this is, why should I care about other people? Okay? So I was born and grew up in Cyprus. That's where I'm from. And anyone that knows anything about that part of the world, people in Cyprus, they hate people in Turkey. So we hate them. So when I, was, when I was a kid, all the games we used to play were like, let's play Kill the Turks. Today, you can be the Turks and we're all gonna kill you. And, and it's just as a nation, because of history, because of things that have been done, there's a real hatred. But later, when I, uh, when I was 17, I met Jesus, gave my life to him, got baptized, and very soon I felt somehow God's starting to call me to go and share this good news with people in Turkey. So later when we moved as a family to... So we were in West London for a while and then we moved as a family to Istanbul to go and start a church there. A lot of my friends in Cyprus, they just deleted me from Facebook, you know? Just like, no, you're a traitor. You've betrayed us. Where have you gone? You know, because I think... But what is it about the gospel that makes us love people that are different to us? And why should we care? You know, we have this saying, charity begins at home. And sometimes we really use that as an excuse, you know? In other words, until I get all the stuff at home that needs sorting out, I'm not going to worry about other people. You know, and I don't know about you, my family's got a lot of mess in it. So actually, if that was true, and I had to sort out everything at home until we were all sorted and okay, before we started trying to love other people, we would never get there. We'd never get there. And the question is, with all this stuff that needs sorting in my life and in my family or in my church or in my neighbourhood. Why should we care about other people? Why should we care about people that are different to us? Why should we care about people in other nations? Why should we care about mission? Yeah, and so why should? And and it's actually the oldest human question, the first question in the Bible that any human asked was in the Cain and Abel story: "Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, what is it to me?" And actually, we know the gospel does compel us to love. Our neighbor and people that are different to us, and to get out of our own head and out of our own home and serve other people, doesn't it? That's what we believe, and that's why we're here because someone did that for us and shared the gospel with us. And so, the story we're going to look at today is kind of asking that question. So, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go to Mark chapter 5 and verse 21, and we're going to look at this story together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this church, thank you so much for their history for their faithfulness. Thank you so much, Father, for the life that is here when we're worshipping, the sense of joy and love and being real. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. Right now, come, Holy Spirit. Be our teacher. Open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word, I pray. Please, God, in your mighty name. Amen amen is that okay so we're just going to go we're going to read this story and just see what jesus wants to say to us this story is going to take place in a little town called capernaum now jesus has already been there so he in mark chapter 3 he went there he did a healing and the, the the synagogue rulers in that town decided they didn't like jesus and it says they started making a plan to kill him okay So the the synagogue rulers have decided they want to kill Jesus. Jesus goes away somewhere else for a while, but now he's come back to Capernaum, which is already quite a brave thing to do. Okay, and so Jesus comes into this town, and we're going to read in verse 21 of Mark 5. And when Jesus crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue. So one of these guys that were planning to kill Jesus... Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, "My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live." So there's a big crowd around Jesus, it says. There's lots of people gathered, "Oh, it's Jesus." Lots of people gathering round. But then as this guy Jairus comes, the crowd opens up for him because he's Jairus. He's the synagogue ruler. He's one of the most important people in the village. It's like, here comes Jairus. Yeah? Walks a little bit like Paul. <laughs> here he comes. Jairus is coming. The crowd opens up. They know that the synagogue leaders hate Jesus already. And yet, as he comes, what's he going to say? And it says, he says, Please come. My daughter's sick. Please come and lay your hands on her that she might. So suddenly Jairus is needing something from Jesus. So he comes in front of everyone. Everyone makes way for him. And he makes this ask. Now everyone is thinking what? Man, Jesus needs powerful friends. Yeah, this is a great opportunity for Jesus to to heal this girl and have... Strategic friends in high places. Yeah, this is like a this is a good opportunity for Jesus. So they're all thinking Jesus is definitely gonna do this. The next verse, twenty-four, and he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. It's a Middle Eastern crowd, everybody they, they want to know what's happening, so the whole village is coming as well. Okay? Everybody thronged about him and off they go. I don't know if you've ever seen those videos of like commuter trains in Japan. Have you ever seen those? And like there's such a big crowd that you can't actually get on the train. And there's people whose job it is to run up and push you onto the train. And that's the kind of crowd that we're talking about here in this Middle Eastern village. The, whole, the streets are narrow. The whole village is out. And everybody's, so now they're going this way, it's going to be very difficult to stop. Okay, off we go. The whole village is going to Jairus' house. Next verse. 25. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments... I will be made well. So we've met Jairus, the important guy. Now we meet our other character in the story, the woman. And we're not even told her name. So we'll just call her the woman. And this whole big crowd is going towards Jairus' house, like a river. And she wants to come and touch Jesus. Many of you know this story. It's a really famous story story, I know that. But we need to understand, in the Middle East, you'd never have a woman come to make a request from someone like Jesus. You needed a man to do it for you. That's the way the culture was. So, Jairus has come to ask on behalf of his daughter. And earlier, Peter's mother-in-law was sick, so Peter came to ask, will you come and pray for my mother-in-law? So, in the public space, they always had a man taking responsibility. Okay? But she doesn't have anybody. She doesn't have a brother or an uncle or a husband or a father. There's there's no one that comes to do this for her. She's completely alone. She's suffering and she's completely alone. So she has to come herself. She has to do it herself. Her 12 years of bleeding has made her ritually unclean. That meant in that culture she's not allowed to pray She's not allowed to go to the temple or offer a sacrifice. She's not allowed to uh, be in a public space where there are other people because it was like a contagious thing for them. It's like she's got some kind of curse from God. Ill. Keep your children away from her. Yeah, that's how people saw it. They saw it as such a kind of big shameful thing that everybody would back off. No one wants to be near her. She's, for 12 years, she's been suffering and in pain but also socially in pain and everyone's backed off and it says she spent all her money on doctors Now it's not the NHS it's not like real doctor it would have been like quacks you know like give us some money drink this potion jump up and down ten times say a magic word you'll be fine you know and and it says she's suffered under these doctors for like 12 years and so she's also broke so she's sick she's in pain she's alone She's socially outcast, shamed. She's suffered much and she's broke. So she's, she's kind of lost everything. She's empty. Maybe you feel like that today. Maybe you hear that and you go, man, that's actually me. Maybe you've struggled with something for such a long time like this woman. Maybe you've struggled with mental health for a long time maybe you've been depressed for ages maybe you feel like you've got no one everyone's backed off no one understands no one cares we're going to see the amazing thing about this lady is even though it's been 12 years she's not given up hope she's not she's not given up thinking maybe today if I touch Jesus she's tried everything but she's still going to keep trying it's amazing And so she squeezes through this big crowd that's all around Jesus. She squeezes through somehow, real determination. And she touches his garment and she says, maybe if I touch him, I'll get healed. And verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up. Hallelujah. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. She felt it happen. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, Jesus felt it too. He felt power go. Immediately, he turned about in the crowd and he said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? Jesus, everybody's touching you. Yeah, the whole crowd is like squeezed around you. There's no personal space. It's not England. There's no personal space. Everybody's touching you. And he's like, Yeah, but one touch was different. Yeah, in, in, in one touch, there was such a brokenness, such an emptiness, such a hopelessness. I felt that touch. You know, that, that's the kind of touch that Jesus feels because power flows from his fullness into our emptiness. So if we're empty, desperate, we touch him, power flows. That's the touch that he felt in verse 32. And he looked around to see who had done it, who was this person? What is Jairus thinking? Yeah, we've already met Jairus. And off we're going to Jairus' house. His daughter's critically ill. Off we go. He's the important guy. Jesus is coming to my house. And now suddenly Jesus has stopped. And the whole crowd has stopped. And Jesus is looking around. Who touched me? What's he thinking? What about my daughter? We were going to my house. I had first dibs, yeah? Verse 33. But the woman... Knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, "Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease." She comes trembling, because she knows what the whole community thinks about her. They're, "Oh, it's that woman. Keep your children away." Yet the crowd opens up for her when she comes because they're like oh don't want to touch her it's that woman and in she comes and she's trembling Jairus didn't tremble Jairus came up to Jesus yeah she comes trembling and Jesus stops and talks to her in front of this whole crowd he gives her the time of day and he stops and listens and it says she told him the whole story yeah she's suffered a long time that's not a two-minute conversation and then this happened and then and oh my word this happened she told him the whole story the whole crowd is listening she's talking and Jesus doesn't say yeah my awesomeness made you well he says your faith made you well he, this woman that's been shamed by everyone he praises her in front of the whole community hey everybody look at her she's amazing he praises her so and then amazingly what does he call her? daughter she had no one to take responsibility for her no husband no brother no man to take responsibility for her in the public space in the big scary world but jesus calls her daughter i'll take responsibility nobody else cares i will take responsibility i will call you family it's amazing so in a moment her situation has been completely transformed yes she was sick and now she's healed She was shamed in front of everyone. Now Jesus praises her in front of everyone. Uses her as an example. She was alone and she had no one. Now Jesus calls her family. And she was unclean. Like no one can touch her. Now now she's clean. So in a moment her whole situation is transformed. Well, what about Jairus? He's thinking, hey, we were going to my house. Jesus... My daughter is critically ill. Yeah? This woman's been sick for twelve years. She could last another half hour. Yeah, in A and E they have that triage system, don't they? Like, is this person about to die? Or can we put them down in the queue for another twenty hours to sit and wait? Jesus, can't you be a bit more kind of organized? And I'm important. I'm gyrus. Yeah, you need important friends. I know what they're saying about you. I know they're planning to kill you. You need strategic influence. Jesus, what are you doing? And Jesus is like, actually, I just want to give this woman some time. It's really unstrategic, yeah? I want to give her some time. And then verse 35. While he was still speaking, there came... From the ruler's house, some who said to Jairus, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So as they're here talking to this woman in the crowd, some messengers come and say, Jairus, your daughter's died. It's too late. How's he going to feel now? Angry. Angry. And it's her fault. Is that what, if she hadn't been in the way... If she hadn't stopped Jesus, he'd be at my house healing my daughter. It's her for, you, Have you ever had that happen? It's there, if it hadn't been for them, if it wasn't for that person, my whole life would have been different. You angry at someone today? That's exactly how Jairus, that's how I would have felt. It's exactly how Jairus feels. And Jesus turns to him, overhearing what they said. Verse 36, Jesus said to Jairus, Do not fear, only believe. Verse 37, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So now Jesus is going to go to Jairus' house. The daughter's dead, Jesus is going to go there. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping, and wailing loudly the girl is dead and everyone's already there and they're all and this is the Middle East yeah so it's not a little bit of English crying it's like Aah! oh man I broke the microphone <laughs> like weeping and wailing and screaming oh our girl is dead our girl is dead and Jesus walks into this courtyard and everybody's there crying and when he entered He said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Jesus rebukes them. Why have you given up? And they're like, Well, the girl's dead. And Jesus is like, this woman was sick for 12 years. She never gave up. Your girl's been dead for five minutes and you've thrown all your toys out of your pram. He rebukes them. And then it says they laughed at him. It's one of the most horrible verses in the Bible. God came to your house and you laugh at him, they treat him shamefully. You don't know what you're talking about. Jesus says the girl is not dead, she's sleeping. Now, Jesus knows that she's dead, yeah? He's not like in denial. But Jesus knows that for him, death is like being asleep. He's got the power to raise someone from the dead just like waking someone up from sleep. For Jesus, it's actually not that big a deal. He is life. He made life. Life has walked into this courtyard of death. And he says, yeah, she's not dead. She's sleeping. I can wake her up. And they laugh at him. And he rebukes them. Why are you crying? Now, if it was me, thank the Lord it wasn't me. If it was me, I would have gone, where's the girl? And they laugh, fine. If you don't want it, I'm off. There's plenty plenty of people that do need healing. There's plenty of people that do care. Off I go. But Jesus is like, hang on. No, let's put these people out. It's like putting the cat outside. He put them outside, yeah? Like, you're laughing at me, out you go. And then he takes his closest disciples and they're going to go into the inner room where the girl is lying dead. In we go. Even though they laugh, even though they mock him, he's still going to heal their little girl. That's amazing grace. So verse 41. They've gone into the inner chamber, into the little room where the child was. Verse 41. Taking her by the hand... He said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means in their language in Aramaic, little girl, it's time to wake up now. It's the same normal words that I say to my teenagers in the morning. Guys, it's time to wake up now. And that's when they start throwing their shoes at me. (laughs) All that kind of stuff. Just, it's like normal, he doesn't shout. You know, sometimes we want to do a big miracle, we do a big shouting the name of jesus he doesn't shout takes her by the hand touches her speaks gently in her normal heart language her, he doesn't speak a fancy hebrew prayer yeah praise god we don't have to learn latin or greek to understand the but yeah it's our we read it in our language it's amazing speaks to her in her normal language and says to a little girl it's time to wake up now it's morning time verse 42 and immediately the girl got up and began walking because she was 12 years of age and they were immediately overcome with amazement of course they were and he strictly charged them that no one should know this and he told them to give her something to eat yeah if I'd just woken up from being dead first thing I'd want like what a pizza (laughs) I need to eat death is hungry business but he charged them that no one should know this now hang on if you've just done a raising people from the dead miracle put it on youtube yeah like let everybody know i've done this amazing miracle for jairus's daughter friends in high places why does he tell them to keep it a secret Why does he tell them not to tell anybody? It's a miracle. Surely people are going to, they all knew she was dead. Like, people are going to wonder anyway. Because the woman had touched Jesus in secret, and so Jesus did her healing in front of everyone. Jairus came in front of everyone, so Jesus says, We're going to do your healing in secret. We're supposed to compare these two stories. You see, how old was the girl? How long had the woman been suffering for? Twelve years. So Mark has told us these two stories mixed together like this because we're supposed to compare the two stories. Okay? For the whole twelve years that little princess Jairus' daughter has been living her rich life, this woman has been outside suffering. And while daddy's little girl has had everything, this woman has had Nothing. And this story, it's like a rebuke to Jairus. Yeah, all you've been caring about is your little daughter. No one took responsibility for this woman. I once preached this story uh, in Turkey, in in a church in Izmir where there's a lot of Iranian refugees. And and at the end of the meeting, we had a time for people to come and, and receive prayer and all the rest of it. And this one guy comes up, massive Iranian, like massive Iranian guy, comes up and he's crying like a baby. Huge guy, hench, crying like a baby. And I was like, what's, what's going on? He's speaking through a translator. What's, what's up with you? And he said, when you said 12, I realized that I'd given my life to Jesus, but then actually I moved away from Jesus and I've been away from Jesus for 12 years. And so today God has spoken to me through the number 12 and it's time for me to come. home. amazing. And the Bible's amazing. And so we're just going to compare the two stories because that's what we're supposed to do. Okay, so how old was Jairus' daughter? And how long had the woman been bleeding for? 12 years is a long time, yeah. Jairus... We know his name. He's a man, he's important, and his name is Jairus. The woman, she's unnamed. And yet for Jesus, she's like first in the queue. First, whatever the world says about what's important, first, let me take my time with this lady, hear her story, heal her, honor her in front of everyone. Then I'll come to you later, Jairus. Jairus comes on behalf of his daughter. The woman has no one to come on her behalf, but Jesus calls her daughter. Jairus is proud, so Jesus humbles him. The woman is humble, and Jesus praises her in front of everyone. Jairus approaches Jesus in front of everybody, and so Jesus does his healing in secret says, don't tell anyone. The woman comes secretly through the crowd, so Jesus opens her up in front of everyone and says, look at this woman. He does it in public. So Jesus makes Jairus wait while he gives the woman priority. Jairus' household give up hope and are crying and are rebuked. The woman never gives up hope, even after 12 years, and Jesus praises her. So we're supposed to compare the two stories, and then we're supposed to go, which one are you? Are you like Jairus, or are you like the woman? Because the Bible says, if you exalt yourself, God will humble you. If you humble yourself, God will lift you up. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, amen? If you're too big, God wants to make you a little bit smaller. A little bit smaller. If you see yourself as very small, God wants to make you a little bit bigger. Amen? Okay, so what do we learn from this story? A few things, and then we're going to pray. Number one is this. If you are suffering, come and touch Jesus. Today. There's something in the story about touch. The woman touches his clothes. Jesus takes the little girl's hand. Jesus is the touch of God. Jesus, When Jesus comes, it's God touching the world. That's who he is. He's a hand stretched out from God to touch people. And if you are suffering, if you're sick, if you're full of shame, if you're on your own with no one else taking responsibility for you, come and touch Jesus today. Amen? And what's amazing about this story is the woman gets healed and Jairus' daughter gets healed. Yeah, if it was going to be a neat story, it'd be like, so, the woman gets her healing and she doesn't. But Jesus is so gracious, they both get healed. Number two, what do we learn from this story? It's never too late. Never give up hope. What is that situation that you've been praying and praying and waiting and waiting? When is it going to happen, God? Never give up hope. For 12 years, she kept going. Jesus came to town. She's still like, here's my chance. Boom, here I go. Don't give up hope, yeah? There's always hope. You believe that? You believe that? It's never too late. Sometimes Jesus looks late. He's coming to Jairus' house. He stops. They want to speed him up. You know, you can't speed Jesus up. He goes at his own speed. If he's coming to your house, he's coming to your house. It's never too late. Number three, there's something in this story about caring for people that are outside, people that are poorer, people that need help. There's something in this story about taking responsibility. There's a, re- a, a, a rebuke for Jairus. You spent your whole time... Caring about your daughter the whole 12 years this woman was yeah we see that in the story and we've all got stuff in our families and we could easily spend all our energy all our prayers all our time just trying to sort out our stuff and we must do that but there is a we've got to be careful there is this question here what about this woman who takes responsibility for her and there is I know it's 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 quite a new word isn't it for us the word woke Jesus is woke, if you know what that means. Jesus is aware of inequality and injustice. Jesus is alive to the fact that the world is not a level place. And he's always looking out for people that are on the down end of life. He is. And we see that in this story. Number four, pride and humbleness. And if you're a little bit too big, Jesus wants to make you a bit smaller. And that may be a word for you today. You may look at this and think, yeah, I am a little bit like Jairus. And actually, I just need to come to him and and just ask him to humble me a little bit. That's a difficult prayer to pray. Or it may be that you see yourself like this woman. You see yourself really small. And Jesus wants to lift you up and kind of praise you in front of everyone. And in that, strangely, I feel a, a word for you as a church community I think if you see yourselves as part of the catalyst family of churches or other churches, you may look at yourselves and think, man, we're, we're not really very special. There's all these churches with big shiny buildings and I don't know. Or, you know, and you may think, oh man, we're just little us in Bermondsey. And I feel actually even for you guys, there's a, a word in that. No, Jesus loves the life that is in this church. Jesus loves the authenticity and the history and the faithfulness. And what, three decades, four decades of presence here? Longer, isn't it? How long has this church been here, kind of? Well, There you go, 150 or years And I think there's something about your faithfulness as a community that Jesus wants to lift up and show to other churches as like an example and say, wow, look at these guys. Look at their faith. And I, I, really, I really think God's hand is on you. And then the the final piece of this story, the the final thing that we learn is this. Jairus' story is actually our story. It's the story of the world. You see, the world, ever since Adam, has been a place of death. So Jairus' house is a place. The girls died and everybody's crying. And actually, that's like the world. Ever since Adam and Eve, there's been death and people are crying. And Jesus comes, life himself He comes into our world. He steps into our courtyard. He says, I've come to heal your daughter. I've come to bring life to all people. He steps in. And what did we do when Jesus came into the world? We laughed at him. We rejected him. We nailed him to a cross. We mocked him, spat on him, scorned him. That was our response. We're like Jairus' family. Jesus came and said, I've come to bring life. And we rejected him. And we killed him. We betrayed him. That's what we did. That's our story. And in spite of that, Jesus in his grace presses through that rejection and still heals the door. And that's what we see in in the story of Jesus, his death and resurrection. He's actually coming to take mankind by the hand and say, I've come to raise you up. Little girl, it's time to wake up now. And you know the great news, friends? All of us at some time will sleep for a little while in death. And they'll bury us down the road or somewhere or burn us, you know. But all of us will sleep for a little while. But then all of us, like this little girl in the story, will one day feel Jesus taking us by the hand. And we'll feel him waking us up. And we'll hear his voice in our heart language, whatever your language is, whispering to us, hey, little one, it's time to wake up now. And we'll wake up with him in the new heavens and the new earth, in heaven, in his kingdom. And we will eat, yeah. Pizza, let it be. Heaven is a big feast. My picture of heaven is we're just going to eat. And... There's going to be lots of nations there. So there's going to be some amazing food. Amazing. And we're going to be with him in his kingdom forever. And that, that is true for everyone that is in Jesus Christ. Yeah, those, It says, blessed are those who die in the Lord. How can you be happy if you die because you're in the Lord? And because we know we're just sleeping and he's going to wake us up. Amen? So this story is our story. Let's own it. Right, let's stand together and we're going to pray. Yeah, do you want to? Great, so you guys know what to do. If you say, hey, I just want a touch from Jesus today, like this kind of touch we've been seeing in this story, we want to invite you to come to the front and people are going to pray for you. They will pray for you, but the touch will be from Jesus. They'll lay hands on you, but actually, it's Jesus touching you. If you feel like actually you're like this woman in the story and and in whatever way, you feel alone, you've been suffering, you're sick, you feel pushed out and shamed, we'd love you to come today and have people pray for you, pray with you. If you want to respond to one of the specific words, yeah, please come, sister. If you want to respond to one of the specific words, then we invite you to come so that we can pray for you to receive a healing touch from God today. If you're here, and this is harder, but if you're here and you're like Jairus, and you hear that and you think, wow, actually I'm a little bit too big in my own eyes, and I want to humble myself before him, we'd invite you to come and so that people can pray for you. So we're just going to take a moment. We'll sit. We'll sing together. If you'd like to receive prayer, then we invite you to come now and receive a touch from Jesus. Amen.